welcome to a special, extraordinary, additional episode of This Week in the History of Psychology. I'm your host, Christopher Green, from York University in Toronto, Canada. And today, we're going to have a special interview with Dr. David Baker of the Archives of the History of American Psychology at the University of Akron in Ohio. Hi there. As you've noticed, uh, This Week in the History of Psychology hasn't been around for a while, but I had this special opportunity to produce a new episode. The format's going to be a little different this time. Instead of having uh, lots of uh, information about things that happened on this date in the history of psychology, I would rather focus strictly on an interview. And that interview, as I said in the introduction, is with Dr. David Baker of the Archives of the History of American Psychology. This is an institution that's uh, very important to historians of psychology, but one that not a lot of people understand if they're not actually there uh, doing the work of an academic historian. And so I thought it would be interesting for us to talk to the man who runs this institution and find out uh, why archives are so important to historians. There was a little work being done in his office while I was talking to him, so there's a little bit of noise in the background. I hope you'll forgive us for that. So, David, let's start with a very general question. What exactly are archives, and and why are they important to historians in their research? Sure. Um, You know, I think what distinguishes people often think about archives and libraries is one and the same. But uh, I think what distinguishes an archives is the fact that it's a repository for original materials. A uh, convenient way to think of it is a kind of one-of-a-kind materials. And the libraries contain material that's much more ubiquitous. So the idea being that you know the, what distinguishes an archives um, is that it's a repository for original materials, one-of-a-kind materials. Right. So what, what then are the holdings of the uh, Archives for the History of American Psychology in particular? Now the strength you know, the archives was founded in 1965, it's in its 44th year uh, of operation, and it focuses primarily on uh, manuscript collections, that is, the personal papers of psychologists. And there's a lot of confusion about what we mean when we say papers. I think people often believe that we're referring to papers that someone has published. Uh, but what we mean by papers are those unique documents that make up the corpus of someone's uh, professional work. Include draft manuscripts, revisions of manuscripts, lecture notes, personal notes, uh, things like that. Letters too. I remember using letters yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, correspondence is probably uh, you know one of the uh, one of the real kind of the, the gold that's in uh, early manuscript collections. Uh, although now correspondence is the nature of correspondence obviously is quite different in the electronic age. If you had to pick one thing, then, what do you think is, is Ahab's most interesting item or, or collection? One of the things that's unusual about the archives of the history of American psychology is the manuscript collection is, I think, the, the, the bedrock of what we do and what we hold. Uh, but there are many other, uh, there are other collections that uh, are equally important. So it also keep the records of uh, many organizations, probably over 50 organizations in psychology keep their records here. That includes a number of divisions of APA, uh, other independent uh, psychological organizations and societies. We also have um, a very large instrument and apparatus collection. 
And that is what distinguishes us as a Smithsonian affiliate. So the objects themselves, as you know, as you've seen, uh, the objects themselves are uh, really kind of archival objects and uh, objects of study in their own right as historical artifacts. Uh, we have a very large test center, 12,000 tests, uh, and then the media collection. 8,000 reels of film, and many of those unique. For example, home movies of Sigmund Freud, um, Arnold Gazelle's, really almost an entire, the entire uh, collection of Gazelle's child development research films are found here. Still images, the same way, 20, 25,000 still images. People can see these on our website through uh, Flickr or YouTube. Uh, again, these are unique items uh, that uh, certainly add value to the historical record and aid in historical research. Mm -hmm. So back to your question, though, it would be hard to pick out of those. I think the, the item that is most visible to many people is Stanley Milgram's shock box. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that, uh, you know, instantly anyone who's had a Psych 101 course uh, knows the study and recognizes the object, and uh, even though we see it every day, we never cease to be amazed at its kind of iconic importance. In terms of manuscript collections, I would say that one of the more visible would be the uh, papers of uh, uh, Abraham Maslow. Oh, Abraham Maslow. Yeah. So, for, uh, for example, a manuscript collection, the papers of Abraham Maslow. Everyone recognizes Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. And it's quite another thing to see his, in his own hand his notes and his writings. Uh, that's a very visible collection. Uh, there are other collections of people who probably are less well-known, but nonetheless uh, are awfully important for the kind of window that they provide on the past. And there are countless examples of that, of people whose lives and careers maybe were not highly recognized and distinguished, but then, nonetheless, they were early pioneers in areas of applied psychology or experimental psychology, and uh, their work certainly provides uh, good material for historical research and scholarship. Mm -hmm. so, so how many people a year or a month or whatever time is appropriate, how many people use your collections? We probably average about 100 on-site visitors, uh, people who actually come for anywhere from a day to a week to a month to work here on-site in the reading room, and then uh, probably four times as many uh, researchers who we work with uh, via uh, distance. Uh, on, uh, we do uh, quite a bit of material now. We have a, a staff member dedicated to providing research assistance. Uh, Lizette Royer, so she can work with researchers at a distance to locate material, scan material. And I understand that that's obviously much more convenient and uh, much more uh, makes it more financially feasible. Uh, but still, I would think that anybody who's visited would realize that uh, there's nothing that could quite compare to actually being here and being able to personally handle the materials. And, and is it your impression that these people are mostly professional historians or psychologists or students? It's a, a mix. I think in the main, it is largely our kind of cohort, uh, historians of psychology, historians of science, who are, uh, find our collections to be invaluable in their own ongoing programs of research. Uh, we always welcome and are pleased to have uh, students, graduate students, uh, from a variety of disciplines, history of medicine, history of science, uh, history of psychology, who come down and uh, find that the material is helpful to them in their dissertation research. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you've got some pretty big plans for the future. Would you care to share those with us? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, even though this is a very difficult time, a difficult financial time, and we depend largely on uh, gifts and uh, grants, uh, we have, over the last four years, been able to secure a dedicated building space, an old factory on the outskirts of our campus, uh, our campus is growing, so this building now is becoming part of campus proper. It's an old factory um, built about 1916, over 100,000 square feet. It was donated to us by Roadway Express, the shipping company, which is a very generous gift. Uh, through uh, a, a grant from the Mark Clark Morgan Foundation about three years ago, we were able to commission a design study, and an architectural team came in presented us with a design, actually, that won some early design awards and uh, really a beautiful uh, and wonderful facility that they had envisioned. Uh, then the kind of the economy crashed, and so uh, our plans are still to uh, move into the building uh, with the resources that we have, a gift of $1.5 million from uh, Nick and uh, Dot Cummings that's going to allow us uh, actually about two months to begin breaking ground to renovate two floors of the building, which uh, we're told we'll be able to occupy uh, by this time uh, next year. Well, that sounds really exciting. Um, it sounds like this is an operation that actually takes a fair bit of money, apart from the, the, the huge capital project you've got going on right now. Um, who, who pays for all of this? How do, how do you fund yourselves? Yeah, it's, uh, we, lo- we depend largely on, you know, obviously the University of Akron has been steadfast and generous in providing a home for us for 44 years. We occupy right now 10,000 square feet of, a, of an old department store in downtown Akron that was gifted to the university many years ago. And uh, we live, we've lived down here since 1994. Uh, so obviously the university, you know, provides that uh, square footage. They keep the, the lights on, keep us cool in the summer, keep us warm in the winter, and they provide for essentially two full-time staff, and that is myself, and I have a joint appointment. So I'm, a, you know, I'm the director of the archives, but I'm also a professor of psychology and teach and have responsibilities there. And uh, Dorothy Gruwich, our senior archives associate. Uh, the rest of our staff, and uh, that would be four and a half full-time employees that are carried completely on gift money. And that is money that comes from all of our friends, members of Division 26, members of Chiron, members of the psychology community who have some interest uh, and concern for the historical record. And that is uh, th- that accounts for the vast, vast majority of our of our operating budget. University of Akron provides a modest operating budget, and uh, the rest uh, we have to go out and uh, raise ourselves. Some of that we do through licensing. We license uh, some photographs and films. So if you look in textbooks, you'll often find that uh, images of historical interest are provided by the archives. It's a way in which we can help to support ourselves. Uh, But largely a lot of it is through the generosity of, of our friends. Obviously, we have close associations with our uh, national associations, uh, the American Psychological Association, Association for Psychological Science. Uh, For many, many years, we have uh, held materials uh, certainly relevant to the historical record of the American Psych Association. So, for example, you'll find here records of uh, more than 30 past presidents of the American Psychological Association. The former chief executive officer, Ray Fowler, his personal papers are found here. Uh, We've housed currently, uh, I think, 12 to 13 division 
records here. Records of uh, APA divisions can be found here. And we thought that uh, it was appropriate for the APA to you know, partner and, uh, and join our other friends in helping to support the mission of the archives. Because in, in essence, we are the National Archives of Psychology. Uh, we represent all of psychology and I think do a very good job of promoting psychological science and practice, and certainly through the lens of history. In 2005, a number of our friends who were actively involved in APA governance sought to have the APA make an annual contribution of $60,000 a year in support of the archives. Uh, that money, which was desperately needed, is used to support staffing. Uh, the agreement was at the time, the wish of the Council of Representatives was that these funds be used to help make our material more readily available. And the way that that is done is to process and make available the material that we house. It's very time and labor-intensive and expensive to process, to preserve, process, and make available archival material and personal manuscript collections. Uh, but we do that gladly, and the support of the APA uh, was, has been quite significant in allowing us to make more of our material available. Uh, obviously, this has uh, uh, been a difficult uh, economic environment for everyone, including the American Psychological Association. And uh, to my regret, uh, the decision was made in the central office to reduce that annual contribution from $60,000 to $20,000 a year. And uh, although we made some effort to uh, inform and educate uh, APA central office about the importance of our work and the impact that, that would have, uh, unfortunately, that, uh, that business item was approved uh, in Toronto uh, a couple of weeks ago by the Council of Representatives, and uh, we're now facing a, an annual shortfall of, in our budget of $40,000. So, so what impact do you think that will have on your staffing? Well, it's a, it's a very difficult situation. Uh, part of it was the, the contribution was reduced in this operating year, and uh, that obviously makes it hard when we have commitments to staff and staffing. Uh, and then going forward, that's just money that we will have to find uh, and replace. I certainly will do everything I can. What, what makes us run, what makes us successful uh, is our staff, and it's a small staff, but a very uh, competent, dedicated, and uh, underpaid staff, I would add. And uh, I'll just have to redouble my efforts to uh, ensure that we can find some way to keep our staffing uh, at the level that it is. Obviously, uh, you know, our services, whatever services we would need to, to reduce or cut, we would have to. You know, obviously, people come, our staffing comes first, and uh, we'll do our best to keep the staff that we have. So if uh, some of our listeners would like to contribute to the archives for the history of, the, of American psychology, uh, where should they go? Uh, it's terrific. Uh, we appreciate that. We've had a, a really a, a terrific uh, outpouring of support, and, uh, and I appreciate your efforts, Chris, in that regard as well. Uh, it's, we try to make it easy. If you go to the, uh, the uh, AHAP website, which is www.uacron.edu backslash AHAP, you'll land on our uh, website. And uh, there is a button that you can click, and uh, you can make a donation right online. You'll also see our mailing address if someone wants to send something via snail mail as well. All right. Well, thank you very much for this. So there's our interview with Dave Baker of the Archives of the History of American Psychology at the University of Akron. Uh, if you didn't get that uh, URL, it was www.uacron.edu slash AHAP, or you can just do a Google search for AHAP, and it'll be the first thing that comes up. Mm-hmm.
And that's all for This Week in the History of Psychology this time. We hope to have an episode again for you sometime real soon. I'm Christopher Green from York University in Toronto, Canada. Thank you.